Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here with the wonderful author of that book, uh, Catherine Ransom, and she is the author and she is our host each and every week. And she is uh, is an educator, and she does so many things. And she is the subject of a documentary that is out now. You can go to TV Turning Point on YouTube and, and see it. And it was just reloaded and, and loaded again. And it will be ready to blast. I, I remember saying we blasted it last week. We, we did, but we had to change uh, the outlet because you can't blast it from certain... So it's on TV Turning Point on YouTube, and you go there, and, and it's going to be on a whole bunch of different outlets. So all of you uh, out there, you have to tune in to that. She's wonderful. And you can see our our monthly Zoom interviews, and you can see how lovely she is and the background she has and, and uh, pictures that she uh, she puts in there. But uh, she's just great. Catherine Ransom, author of Ransom Notes and the host of Ransom Notes each and every week. How are you? Well, Frank, I am just fine. It's been a great week, and we don't have any rain today, which is lovely, and the temperature is under 80 for a while. So what more could you ask? Yeah, well, we just had a little bit of electricity here, which is weird. Maybe it's heat light. Now it's all completely clear. But there was just some lightning, and uh, and before, so it's... uh, Kind of cool. By the way, I think lightning is kind of cool as long as you're not on the golf course, or or if you're in the swimming pool or it accidentally right. hits you. Yes. But I think it is beautiful otherwise. But it's it's a tad frightening. I know some children uh, crawl under the covers to keep it from seeing it uh, because it's you know it's sort of bright and weird and all of that. But it's part of God's fireworks, I guess. He and he probably doesn't have to pay for them like when on the Fourth of July we have to pay. <laughs> I don't know. Could yeah. be. I don't know if you know enough about Illinois right now, though, but this is the beginning of peach season in our part of the world. And uh, down on one of our streets, we have this uh, vendor who comes up from southern Illinois, from Calhoun County, and he brings the most delicious peaches and has them there for sale along the side of the road. So we've been enjoying peaches both ourselves and sharing them with some here in the concordia village where we now live and i tell you you should you liked our horseshoes but you need to come back and try our peaches yeah i I heard they were wonderful yeah peaches from that area are wonderful and what else did i hear um what other kind of fruit is big well nectarines i think right you get to have very nice nectarines as well Well, and and in parts, we really, the the farmers really can grow nice blueberries and strawberries in our part of the world, too. That's uh, actually, I was hearing this, I hadn't even thought about it, but I was hearing the other day that the farmland in Illinois is considered about, if not the best, among the top two or three best areas for farming and the kind of ground that we have in all of the not only just in the U.S., but in the world. So no wonder our farmers love to, to live here and grow things. And, and we may get tired of all of the corn and all of the grain and uh, the wheat that we see, but um, 
I'll tell you, we've got some marvelous farms. So if you decide you want to give up sponsoring radio and TV programs, you can come out here and buy a farm. Now I think it's only $12,000 an acre, they said the other day, in oh. our part of the world. So you might be able to buy one whole acre or something like that. Wow, an acre for $12,000. thats That sounds pretty good. That's uh, much cheaper than what it is here on Long Island. We got to... We, well, it, it, cheaper than your farmland or just cheaper than where housing is? I, I think cheaper than the farmland. I imagine uh, farmland is uh, is more than that. I shouldn't say because I've never priced it. But uh, Long Island is, you know, very expensive. Very, very. Uh, you know, our, our taxes, I mean, not to get into all of that, but our, our taxes, if you're lucky, are $10,000 uh, on a house. You know, the housing uh, taxes are that much. And some neighbors, you know, who have big, beautiful houses, they have $30,000 uh, um, housing tax. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, I, I would be surprised if we can get an acre of land anywhere on Long Island for $12,000. Well, I, I think I'm probably at my age not going to go out and buy any farmland, period. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I'm, but I'm so glad that there are people who do and are willing because, you know, Frank, I like to eat, whether it's peaches <laughs> or, uh, or whatever. And I guess we have to grow that. So yeah. we're, we, we're blessed to have farmers, and the Lord gave us each different talents. And my, some of my grandparents were farmers. So I have some farming blood in me, even though I've never done anything other than grow a tulip or something. But anyway, yeah. it's uh, it's great. Can you put your thinking cap on, Frank? And can you remember when you were uh, either young or when you were a young man looking backwards and you went to church? Were the little kids in the auditorium or were they in, uh, and I don't mean crying babies, but the next sort of the, the two to eight-year-old were they in the auditorium or the main sanctuary whatever you want to call it or were they back in a nursery or a play area or a learning area well you, you said the word crying uh, we had something called a crying room i was uh, in saint cyril and methodius i went to school there for six years too uh but in our in our church, uh, they had what you called a crying room. And every once in a while, we had a second mass, and it was down in the basement of the uh, of the church, you know, and it, and it held a tremendous amount of people. And there was a crying room down there, too. And it was like, I, I don't know if it was soundproof, but it was pretty soundproof. And that's where the kids were asked to play. Now, if they could behave themselves, and we could behave ourselves as uh, as kids, uh, we would be there with the big people, and we would be sitting in the pew next to mom or dad, and and you know we'd get the the head rub every once in a while to let us know, I guess, that we're we're being very very good, and uh, and that uh, we're behaving well and listening to God's word, and and so forth. But if not, the the moms would walk in the back and bring the kids into the what they call the crying room. Do you call it that in in Illinois? Well and we and we have crying rooms and and different different congregations will call it something different and and baby rooms and things like that and i think that's important when i was growing up and, and apparently where you did too children were part of the of all other levels were part of the main worship service today in uh many churches at least around the midwest um the children are in children's church they'll uh there'll be a, a group for maybe uh, 
five-year-olds and then maybe six, seven, eight-year-olds. And, and they'll be in smaller rooms. They'll have their own lesson. And adults uh, help them understand the, the, the Lord and what he has and learn some of the stories of, of the Bible as opposed to sitting in the congregation. And I think it was because sometimes adults got tired of seeing the kids wiggling as well as wanting to make sure that more of the service related to what a six or an eight-year-old could really understand. But the other night, so we haven't had, we don't have many children then in the main auditorium for worship. Mm -hmm. But the other night we had a special service last Wednesday at our church uh, on a Wednesday night. And it was really designed to be music with some devotion. It was just sort of a special experiment. I attended, and there were probably about 150 of us. There was no child care service. Out of that, about 125, 150, I didn't really count them. Mm -hmm. There was probably about 30 children, or roughly, roughly a fourth of the audience would be considered uh, 9, 10-year-old or younger. After the service, and three of them were sitting right in front of me, and they wiggled and they turned and they, you know, they had a little toy they would sometimes play with if they were the two or three-year-old. And uh, they did not sit perfectly still like adults. But after the service, a strange thing happened. Uh, four or five of us women who were in the auditorium watching all of this were standing and talking and showing how we appreciated the service. And then we said, but you know, one of the things that we really enjoyed was having the kids in the auditorium. And we said, you know, we're missing this range of our church family. We only see adults when we come to worship. We think that perhaps it would be wonderful if maybe every fifth or sixth, sometime, every fifth, seventh, anyway, a few times a year, we'd have family day in our main worship. And we would invite all children all levels of the family to come into the auditorium with maybe the exception of the crying babies, the ones that you take to the cry room uh, and have everybody see and understand that the family is, is really includes young people, not just those of us that are, you know, already graduated from high school, which I did a number of years ago. <laughs> and, it, what was really interesting, so we all agreed. We thought that would be great. The next day I was over at the church, and I needed to drop off something at the children's minister. And as we were talking, I said, by the way, several of us were chatting last night, and we just really enjoyed having the kids and all their wiggles and toys and noise. We just really sort of enjoyed having them in the service. We think it would be nice, at least part of the time, understanding full well that it's great for them to be in a service where they can have uh, a, a service and a, a message that a applies to them at their age level. But we think it's also good for them to be in with us once in a while so that we remember they're around. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, it is so funny. Not five minutes ago, he talking, he said, I and another of the ministers were chatting and we said the very same thing, that every now and then we should have kids in the auditorium. 
Now, it might include for a few moments, uh, uh, often when children are in there, we have a children's sermon, and they'll invite the kids up to the front of the auditorium, and they'll focus on something that's, you know, a little more simple or an object lesson that's church-related or the Bible-related. But, and they were talking about maybe it could be every fifth every time there's a fifth Sunday in the month, or I don't know what, but I thought a seed is planted, and I think there is some value. I think now just think about what is the big value of having kids in the service. Uh, I mean, in my mind, it's yeah, you're preparing them for worship in the pulpit and you're teaching them how to you know be adults. And hopefully they'll do the same with their children, just like I did with my parents and my my children. And we just we pass it on to the generation. And you know, to me, uh, it's it, it's uh, it's part of the community, and, and and it will go on. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's what you were were heading to, but to me, oh, I think that sounds I like think it. That's- I think that's half of it. I think that's exactly right. You know, we we they, the statistics are suggesting that we have the greatest dropout rate of young people as that we've had for many, many, many years. That uh, high school, but particularly college and up in that uh, probably nineteen to twenty-five range, uh, are just not a coming to church anymore. That fewer are saying that they're a real believer. And I think it's perhaps partly because the transition from having their own simple service to being a part in a more formal structure, they're not used to, they don't know the value of it, and it hasn't become a habit. I think bringing them back occasionally so they sort of know what it is might help restore that involvement. I I could be wrong, certainly. And so I think that's one of the things that we need, one of the reasons that we think. Plus, everything that Paul and the other writers say, they talk about the family of God. They don't talk about the adults of God. We're all a family. And I think worshiping together part of the time is probably not all bad. But anyway, that's just one old lady saying she's willing to put up with wiggles and squirms to make the family back together again. But I gotta I got we gotta change topics. I wanna know if you ever eat popcorn. A big popcorn and uh especially at the movies. I love popcorn. I love buttered popcorn. Um I have been eating popcorn my whole life. I, I can't imagine going to a movie theater with without eating popcorn. And if I'm on a okay. certain kind of diet, I, I stay away from the movies. Well, in the, I think it was the AAA magazine, but I can't really prove it. But I can't really remember. There was bits of wisdom about popcorn. I'm calling it kernels of truth from the popcorn <laughs> popper. And do you know that there are several kinds of popcorn anymore? So I'm going to name five kinds of popcorn. And you're going to tell me which you think is the most healthy and which is the least healthy. Okay. Are you you sort of, okay. So you can make popcorn on the stovetop. 
You can make it in an air popper. You can have a jippy bag that you pop into the microwave. You can have bagged popcorn. So you've got uh, a bagged popcorn, you know, that you just open it up the bag and eat it as opposed to jiffy, which you pop into the microwave. Okay. So you've got five times store pop, air pop, jiffy, microwave, and bag. Which is the most healthy or can be the most healthy? And which is probably the one you should stay away most if you really want to be healthy? I'm going to say, and, and I could be wrong, but I would think air pop sounds the healthiest. Am I wrong? And then tell me what, and then I'll and then I'll answer. And then what do you think is the least healthy? I would think the uh, the uh, the Jiffy Pop, right? Because it's uh, it's in aluminum, and you know you put it on the stove like that, and maybe who knows? Maybe some of the heat gets on the kernels and and could get there. So I'm going to say that, but I'm not I'm I'm not going to bet my house on it. Well. Interestingly enough, you're absolutely right about the air popped. Uh, in this article, they've rated things one star to ten stars. And the air popped, it got all ten stars. The next healthiest was stove popped, when you just put regular kernels into a pan and you put uh, some kind of oil in there. And interestingly enough, they said one other thing, because that's the kind of popcorn I really like, a stovetop. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a, an air popper, so that has a, a downside to it. A lot of people wouldn't have the machine, but you've always got a pan that you can pop just some old kernels of corn. But a really, have you ever done this? They say after the first kernel starts to pop, put in just a little bit of water into the pan, and it'll make it even be fluffier and healthier and, and better. And then they suggest to make that the best so so that you can get eight, nine stars. You don't get all ten from AirPop, but I think it'll have better flavor. Uh, <laughs> that that you use olive or avocado oil. Now, you didn't know this was going to be a cooking lesson, no. but that's the way it is. I, I know, I know. You just got to put up with it. <laughs> we women do crazy things. So, uh-huh. you, so, so number two is stovetop, but you need to use probably olive or avocado oil. I've never heard of avocado oil, but I love avocados. Then the next most healthy, and probably not the kind that we really, really like, because it's the least tasty, is bagged popcorn, where you just open up the bag and you eat it, and it's not warm, and and it doesn't have much taste, but that's not too bad. It's It gets eight stars. Yeah. Now, we got two kinds left we have jiffy pop which is uh you put it in the bag and you uh cook it quickly and we have uh microwave i guess the jiffy pop must be it's in a package and you just watch it expand and so I think I don't know a great deal of difference between Jiffy Pop and Microwave Pop because yeah. they sort of seem the same to me, but they are on the bottom of the list. So I am going to start having stovetop with olive oil, and I'm going to remember to put a little water on it. Uh, but yeah. Now, there's all kinds of popcorn. Yeah. There's all kinds of love. We're going to learn kernels <laughs> of truth. From the popcorn popper. 
That's great. So I was sitting here yesterday after I had read this, and I was thinking about what kind of love do we have? We So that could we put stars on the ease or stars on the effectiveness or stars on the difficulty of it? And I decided probably, and you could probably can, uh, you can respond, that probably family love, it, there's always exceptions, but probably family love, parents loving their children, children loving their mom or their dad, probably that's among the easiest kind of love there is. And then not ever having experienced it, but just observing it, the love that a a, a husband has for the wife or the wife has for her husband. Those seems to me those two are the easiest, even though there's trauma and problems with both of them, just like yes. none of those popcorns are calorie free. They all have some downside. Right. You know, every one of them had some downside. Then the thir- third kind is what I call the Christian family love. God tells us that in First John, and we've just been studying First John at church, and wow, it's a great book that I've never really studied, but so much about love in it, that we're all to love our Christian family. In Christ, those who are Christians are brothers and sisters. So it's pretty easy, most of the time, to love most of your Christian brothers and sisters, but we certainly know we need to love one another. That's what First John tells us to do. Then I think we have a fourth kind of love that's really, really tough. And that's Christian family or humans who really we sometimes put on the bottom of the good behavior list. It may include people who have murdered somebody. It may be they've stolen a lot. It may be that they are the neighbor who has been really, really rude to your children. It may be the guy that took advantage of an employee sexually. There's all kinds of people. Those people, we suddenly find it's hard to love. And yet God tells us we're to love them all. We're going to and that is really don't have to agree with what they did. Just like, did you ever love your kids, but they sometimes made a mistake? Yeah, sure. And you didn't love them the mistake they made, but you still loved them. And that, to me, is part of the challenge of this love bit, as we found find in John, First John. I've had been, I've been trying to uh, relate and connect with a former person in our church class, Sunday school class who did some things that he absolutely should not have. And he's been spending some time in, in the sheriff's prison. I've tried to extend friendship, to go calling on him through closed circuit television, to encourage him. But you know, it really is sort of hard you have to sort of say, hmm, this is another day I need to go talk to to Henry. and uh, But I had the most glorious visit with him last week. And among other things, he did what every Christian, you, me, he, all, 
Number one, he admitted to the courts that he had made a mistake. If we really want the Lord to love us, we have to be willing to admit that we've sinned, that we've goofed, that we've lied, that we've done whatever. Right. And that's hard to do. And then secondly, he shared with me some responses that he had made as he'd been reading the scripture and how he interpreted it. And I thought, how many friends do I know that have sat down, read some scripture, and then written some applications and some interpretations of it and their, how they thought it, what it, they thought it meant? And I know he has time on his hands, but he did it. He's trying to make a new person out of himself with the love. That, to me, is one of the greatest kinds of love that I need to extend. We have to do tough love, my friend. And it's hard to do, isn't it? Without question. I mean, one of the uh, cliches that you hear along these lines is uh, is hate the sin but love the sinner and or I don't even like to use the word hate but you know don't don't love the sin but love the sinner and that I, I think you're right that is uh, you know just like the your example with the popcorn that is the hardest that is the most difficult thing to do and it, you know and and you brought up the example of the children when the children are misbehaving you love them. But you you don't love obviously their behavior or that that moment or the the situation that you're currently in. But you got to remember, I love this person, and I uh, and by the way, it's so much more difficult what you're talking about. Visiting somebody in pr prison is one of the nicest things that that you can do. And you're talking about a lonely, scary place, and whether it's prison or jail, and jail is less than a year. Uh, prison is generally more than a year, and uh, my uh, <coughs> excuse me, my take on on visiting folks. I I try to visit them um, if I hear of somebody. And and one time a corrections officer asked me. They said, "Are you a clergyman?" <coughs> excuse me, and I said, "I'm not." And I said, "Why did you ask that?" And they said, "Because this is the third prisoner you visited this month." So. I, I thought that was a very unusual question, but uh, it's it's very nice of you to go visit them. That's for sure. Well, I think I think my goal is is a to encourage him and to keep him uh, moving forward in his love in the Lord. It was interesting. He uh, as we were talking last week that he had apparently gotten in an argument with a fellow prisoner, which I'm sort of guessing that they get on each other's nerves. It, I, I've not. I've not served, uh, 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 which is nice, uh, right. and I, I, I don't brag about it, but I don't. I guess all I can say is I don't understand it totally, but I can imagine that it be. And he said, I was so aggravated that I really wanted to punch him. And just as I was about ready to punch him, which would then have put him in trouble because he hit a fellow prisoner, he said, I stopped. And I did something that, and he didn't say these words, but he did something that's hard for any of us. He said, I apologized. And then he said it was so interesting that a couple of days later, that prisoner came over to him and said, I want to apologize to you for what I said and what I did. Now, what an example. Are they perfect guys in there? Of course not. And then I, as I was teaching this and sharing it with class yesterday as I taught, I said, we tend to put 
different kinds of misbehavior and sins on, on a, a continuum. And we say that um, to uh, get in an argument with your brother and throw mud at him is probably not a most horrible sin in the whole world. But to go out and rob or steal is probably uh, we put we we automatically put it on a oh that's really bad and yet in God's eyes it's all it, it's sort of all sin and I said this past week just a week ago someone came up to me while I was preparing to teach class my mind was on my lesson I was worried about getting everything organized and they came in and they sort of complained and yelled at me for not doing something. And my tongue got the best of me, and I smarted back. And as I said it, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, that is not Christian. So I apologized then. I sent a letter of apology later. But you know, that action still bothers me in the middle of the night. Sin is sin. I'm not supposed to yell. Yeah and be upset with somebody. I'm supposed to be kind. I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. And you know what, Frank? That's hard. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, it's, um, you know, when when Jesus said, I I mean, I I believe he was the first to ever say, um, turn the other cheek and to... uh, to love your enemy and to love uh, the people who who do these horrible things, and it was so shocking then. And you know, we've we've been raised as Christians, so we've heard this many times, and and in thousands and thousands of hours of, of church, we've heard this, uh, you know, these these sentiments, and it, it's still. I mean, to this day, after hearing it for 2,000, more than 2,000 years after Jesus walked this earth, uh, we've been hearing them thousands of hours uh, in, in church and in mass. And, you know, I, uh, you know, we just uh, we we just still uh, have uh, have not been able to uh, to master this as a race. Maybe some people have, but I certainly haven't mastered it. And and you're just telling us that you haven't. And. And I'll tell you, you're a pretty darn good person, and uh, and you uh, you are very open-minded. And if you haven't mastered that yet, then it's a very difficult thing to do. You're a very Christian person and a, a wonderful woman, but the the idea that you're saying that you uh, you have a difficult time with this, guess what? Uh, people out there listening to us now are going to say, hey, look, I, I, I feel better about myself. Catherine's admitting that and, and other people. And, I, and I've heard priests say the same exact thing. I've, say, I've heard priests and ministers from the pulpit or from, uh, you know, from the altar uh, that they, uh, they have that same difficulty. And, you know, again, it comes back to us being shocked. What do you mean love our enemy? Uh, Lord, what do you mean uh, turn the other cheek? Somebody just slapped him. Well, give them the other cheek to let them slap that. I, I think it's the hardest thing to understand in Christian uh, culture and our teachings uh, and, and the Lord's teachings is is to love your enemy and, and to hate the sin, but don't hate the sinner. I think it's a very difficult concept. It, 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 the thing I was trying to share with the class Sunday, too, I said, 
because there's a possibility that my friend Henry that's in, in, in the sheriff's jail right now may shortly may shortly be um, uh, out of jail. And I know he wants to come back to class. And I decided that I needed to start softening up people to thinking in a little different way. And it is so easy for them to forgive me if I say a few things that aren't appropriate, which I certainly did. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not proud of what I did. Uh, but, but friends will do that. We, it's so much more difficult to accept when somebody else has allegedly done something that's much more serious. And I really think the scriptures are pretty clear that we need to love all. We need to ask forgiveness, each of us. And then we need to go on and continue to love our brother and our sister. And as you and I have talked about here, not, not endorse that I got angry, not endorse that Henry may have stolen, but that we are each trying to be children of God. So I have to, I think it's time we need to think about what yesterday was. Yesterday was a special day, and I know that you never enjoy this, but it was National Ice Cream Day. <laughs> uh, yeah. I assume you don't like ice cream. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big hater of ice cream. I uh, well, I love ice cream uh, more than more than anything, any snack that you can imagine. I love ice cream. Do you know which one is the most popular flavor? Uh, I would say chocolate, but uh, am I, am I... well, uh, it, the source that I was looking at as I was doing a little research here after I saw that yesterday was ice cream, and I thought that would be a fun thing to talk about for a few moments. According to them, that the most popular is vanilla. And that's probably because we use vanilla so often, not only as just plain ice cream, but as a um, an attachment to a warm berry pie or on the top of a cookie, or, you know, we use it. And generally, that tends to be vanilla. I suspect that that's why. But chocolate certainly has to be one of the ones up there. Do you remember the old saying that I remember? Oh, no, I want to ask you first. Do yeah. you know who, who initiated National Ice Cream Day with president? Um, hold on. Let me. Uh, was it uh, Teddy Roosevelt? Uh, no, but his name starts with R. R. Okay, R. The first name and last name. R. Last name. And he's he would be younger than Teddy Roosevelt by a number of years. Oh, oh you mean he well, would he would be? Uh, oh, he would be more recent. Yes, Reagan, yes. Ronald Reagan. Yes, yes, yes. No kidding. He's, Good for him. He's the guy that introduced. And I'm guessing he must have liked ice cream. I, my research didn't didn't tell me why he did it, but I'm guessing he loved and jelly then, beans. I know that. <laughs> yes, yes. He always had those on his desk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then. Uh, when I was growing up, we had this old uh, saying that we said, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Yes. Did uh, you ever hear that? Yeah, many times. Okay. Well, now, since we're supposed to be healthy, it's we scream, we all scream for nice cream, N-I-C-E, instead of ice cream. Yeah. And they're wanting us to uh, make or eat uh not milk-based, not dairy-based ice cream, but uh, vegetable-based oh. so that no cow, and the new statement is no cows allowed, oh. that it will be nice cream 
plant-based and one of the uh, ingredients that they're suggesting and, and I'm, we're not going to give out a recipe particularly but anybody could go on and, <laughs> and find out is that the banana becomes the one of the key ingredients uh, along with almond milk uh, which our guests are both really healthy for you and then you can add flavors and so forth so now you've got you know all about national ice cream uh day and uh, a year from now, why you could have a big party on the 18th of 2022, and you can sell uh, nice cream, not, I mean, you can make nice cream, not ice cream. Won't that be a nice uh, ice cream party? Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. I wonder how yeah. it'll taste, though. I don't know how that tastes. Well, I don't know. I, I, I am sort of curious, and I'm thinking I might try sometime to make it. Uh, and go back in and really find a vegetable-based, plant-based recipe with the banana, because I do like ice cream, and I know that it's not healthy for me, and I do need to watch my weight, because I'm a fat old lady, and it's so oh. easy to gain weight that uh, if I could make something that tasted pretty good but was a little more healthy, it wouldn't be all bad. But anyway... We've had a good day talking about a variety of things, and you never know what I'm going to end up with. But I've got a great statement for you. Please. Do you know what dryer lint is? You know, that stuff yes, that you get. When, yeah. uh, do you know what it really is? It, it's the cremated remains of all my missing socks. <laughs> now, how's that for scholarly wisdom? <laughs> That is crazy. I knew. I was hoping you'd laugh. Cremated remains of all my missing <laughs> socks. I think that that just might work. And then I have one other saying for yeah. you. Okay. A pair of giraffes and a pair of elephants were exist exiting Noah's Ark. And they were overheard saying, oh, what a lousy trip. It rained all the time. <laughs> oh. That's great. So, <laughs> I've never heard I've that. Shot, I've shot all my scholarliness for the day. Wow. What what wonderful wisdom. And, and again, I, I'll say it again. Out of everyone I've ever met, you more than anyone could take a little nugget of information and, and just turn it into something wonderful. And, uh, you know, between ice cream, uh, the crying rooms, and jail. We've covered a lot of ground, and I'm always always proud to cover popcorn, too. I mean, all of those things, and some lighthearted, some heavy, but in there, a lot of love. You put a lot of love in the middle of all of that. And uh, Catherine Ransom, uh, wonderful. Thank you very much once again for uh, for sharing all of this with us. Thank you. And to everyone out there, uh Ransom Notes. You've been listening to Ransom Notes. Watch Ransom Notes, and you can see that on TV Turning Point, uh, YouTube channel, and you'll see it on a whole bunch of others. Uh, we, uh, we are in the process of blasting, so uh, we had to pull down the first blast, so we had to freshly load it. So all of, that, all of you who've seen it already uh you can you can see it again but it's freshly loaded on tv turning point but uh we'll get 
uh, we'll get it out there on other outlets, and we'll be able to show you and tell you where it is. Uh, Frank McKay signing off with the author of Ransom Notes and our host each and every week on Ransom Notes. We'll see you next week on Ransom Notes.